God has a mysterious plan for us to grow us and mature us. He is at work in all of our lives, drawing us to Him, teaching us to trust Him, and developing our faith. Inside of us is a new creation waiting to emerge, one that reflects the beauty and likeness of our Redeemer. When we trust, when we obey, we step into a new way of life. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Good morning, Sugar Creek Church family and guests who are joining us from all over this region and all around the world. We want to join those here at the Sugarland campus and those of you at Missouri City, at Richmond Rosenberg, and our brothers at Darrington, and wherever and whenever you are watching this service, we're so grateful to have a few moments to be together through the gift of technology from many different places and gather under the name of Jesus Christ. This is a difficult day for me because it's my last Sunday on staff at Sugar Creek. Certainly not my last Sunday here, but just the one where I get to be on staff. I've had the joy of being in Houston now for 11 years and at Sugar Creek for the last nine of those years. I came to Houston. I wasn't initially planning to come to Houston, but I came here to do seminary back in 2010, and there's two reasons that got me here. One was a seminary scholarship to study here at Fuller Seminary in Houston, and two was a girl named Stacy that I really liked who happened to go to Texas A&M, and she was a med student there. All the Aggies, go ahead and put your thumbs up and said, gig them. Yep, and so I came here because of those two reasons, and by God's, crazy, by, by God's grace, I was able to finish seminary, and even more by his grace, I was able to marry the girl of my dreams, Stacy. And I'm grateful for the chance to be here and to be a part of what God's been doing in the city of Houston. When I got to Houston, I immediately began to serve at a few churches in the area. I just wanted to get plugged in and served in youth ministry and all kinds of stuff. And, and one of those churches was an Ethiopian church. You'd be wondering, well, what in the world happened there? I know, I was thinking the same thing. I went into the interview thinking they were Indian and they thought I was Ethiopian. And we realized we were both wrong, but it was such a match made in heaven. We had such kindred spirits, and God did an amazing thing during the, in the three years I would get to be the, their youth pastor. And in that journey, by sheer coincidence, or rather guy, God's providence, I, got, I met a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who was here at Sugar Creek. And six months later, I met the great Don Waybright, our missions pastor, and um, he invited to join him on the missions team here at Sugar Creek. I think he was so desperate to get somebody to fill a spot, he invited me to be a part of it. My initial title was part-time multicultural missions associate. And no one in the world, including me, knew what that meant. But I had a blast serving in that role. I got to serve the refugee community in Houston. I got to lead some short-term mission trips all across the world. I got to see literally the book of Acts come to life and stepping into villages and towns that had never heard the gospel and sharing Christ and people coming to know Jesus as their savior thousands of years later after the cross. And the Bible getting into villages that had never heard of such a thing and miracles happening in front of your eyes and the unstoppable church of Jesus being planted in the darkest places in the world. It was such a blast. And in fall of 2014, our pastor, Pastor Mark Hartman, came into my office, and this is his opening line to this conversation. He said, I'm gonna ask you something, and you get to decide if you wanna be in the will of God or not. <laughs> Seriously. What do you do with that kind of a conversation, right? 
So he asked me to consider being the campus pastor at what was then the Siena campus, which is now the Missouri City campus. And of course, I gladly said yes to that journey. And Missouri City, you and I have had an amazing journey over the last six years of being the campus pastor there. I got to be live with you last week, and it was amazing. We got to be a part of Portable Church, uh, setting up and tearing down. In those days, some of us are still trying to forget. Uh, We got to see God answer a four-year problem in four days, and giving us an amazing facility, right? at prime location on Highway 6. Only God could have done that. We got to see God take a campus that was running about 320 on the weekend within a year of having that facility running almost 1,000 people on the weekend. It was an amazing time of ministry. Amen. Thank God for our Missouri City campus. They're still growing and going. In the most recent years, as I had a chance to serve as a multi-site pastor, we saw God launch an amazing, thriving campus at Richmond Rosenberg. We got to see God launch an amazing Tuesday night ministry called The Collective for all the 20, 30-year-old crazy ones out there. We have an amazing place on Tuesday nights called The Collective. So when I tell you that the last nine years have been amazing, it really has. And one of my most cherished memories is seeing our brothers at Darrington become an official campus here at Sugar Creek. It was such a dream come true. We love you, brothers. We love you guys. And I know this has been a difficult year for you because you haven't been able to see family because of all the lockdown. And we haven't been able to come and be with you, but soon, as those restrictions are removed, we're gonna see God do even greater things in the days ahead. I would be remiss if I didn't make mention of this, the fact that you and I are blessed with one of the most godly and loving lead pastors all around the country, Pastor Mark Hartman. Amen. I count myself one of the most blessed young men all around the country to be mentored by him, to have him pour his life into me. And I literally have a journal on my phone of all the life lessons I've learned from Pastor Mark. It has been an incredible privilege. You as a church are blessed. We as a church, as a people, are blessed because of his vision for those who are not yet here, because of his commitment to truth and grace to high trust, low fear, because his multi-campus vision, because of his commitment to preaching the unwavering, uncompromising word of God, and greater days are still ahead for our church under his leadership. Today, as I was thinking about what to share with you, what was reverberating in my mind and heart was this prayer of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, and he ends this prayer with this doxology, the song of praise to a God who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine. So let's jump into this prayer, and this from the bottom of my heart is my prayer for each and every one of you and for Sugar Creek. Ephesians 3, verse 14 onwards, it reads like this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power, That is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the church said, amen. Amen. 
I once heard the story from Pastor Cliff Cummings a few years ago about a little boy who went to a country grocery store with his dad. And as they were checking out of the grocery store, the owner of the store told the little boy, son, here's a jar of candy. You are free to grab a handful of candy. It's free for you to take. Well, the boy didn't move at all. He didn't flinch. He just stayed there looking at his dad. So the owner repeated himself and said, son, it's yours for the taking. Grab yourself a handful of candy. It's free. You can have it. But the boy still did not move. He just stood there looking at his dad. Well, a few moments later, his dad reached down and grabbed a handful of candy and gave it to the boy, and then they left the store. On their walk home, the dad looked at his son and asked him, son, why didn't you grab the handful of candy? It was yours for the take. Why didn't you take it? Well, the son said, well, dad, I knew that if I didn't take it, you would, and I know that your hand is bigger than mine. (laughs) Smart little boy. As I pray for Sugar Creek, as I dream about your future, what we get to celebrate together, I pray that what we get to experience in ministry for the decades to come is not something that would have been accomplished by our small human hand, but it would be something that only God could have done with his limitless hand, that his miraculous, powerful hand would lead us and guide us into what Paul calls the immeasurably more. That our future wouldn't be defined by our abilities or facilities or even great talented staff and resources that God would bless us with. That we would live as a church, as a people, as a family, as individuals, living in the immeasurably more that God has, I believe, prepared for our taking. Now, Paul isn't praying this prayer so that you can have immeasurably more money or a greater promotion or that corner office. Those things would be nice, but that's not the context of this prayer. Paul's reason for praying this is related to a revelation about the local church that he has received from the Lord. As he's thinking about the church of Jesus and what God wants to do, he's celebrating, he's thanking God for the immeasurably more. Paul said this in Ephesians 3 verse 10. This is the reason why he's praying this prayer. His intent was that now through the church, and that word, the church is the word ecclesia, which means the gathering of God's people, the assembly of those who've been separated, called out by God. So now God's intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to whom? To the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he established or accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul saying God had an agenda from the beginning of time. He had an intention, a purpose, and his purpose was through the grace poured out in the church of God for the glory of God, in what God does in his assembly, in his people, in his congregation. When the rulers and authorities in high places see the working of God in his church, they would be astounded and confounded. They would absolutely be stunned at the manifold wisdom of God in the church. Paul is saying that he wants every demon in hell and every principality in high places when they see the church of Jesus to be left with their jaws dropped in amazement, in wonder, in fear of the wisdom of God at work in the church of Jesus Christ. Paul is speaking to a church in Ephesus who, before meeting Jesus, they lived pretty sinful life. They were pretty bad. But Paul says, now that you have come to Christ, Jesus has washed you clean with his blood. He tells them in Ephesians 2, 
that God who is rich in mercy and abounding in love has made you alive in Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ, that's our story too. God who is rich in his mercy, abounding, limitless in his love has made us alive. And because of that, we've gone from death to life, from darkness to light. We who were marked by our mistakes are now marked by the mercy of God, no longer guilty, but forgiven in Jesus, no longer aliens and strangers, but family and children of God. And if you're here today or watching anywhere and you have yet to experience this grace, I just wanna tell you that God Almighty, the one who made the heavens and the earth has made an appointment with you today in this moment to show you grace, not to pass judgment, not to ask questions, not to give you a list of requirements. He wants to show you grace. He wants to bring you back, not pay you back. He wants to love you to himself. This is an act of God's grace. In Ephesus, this church is incredibly diverse. It's one of those unique moments in the New Testament you see the Jew and the Gentile worshiping together. And Paul talks about this unity among the people who are incredibly diverse. And in, two, in the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul says, God is our peace, Jesus is our peace, and he has torn down the wall of hostility, and he's made the two one humanity so that we're no longer primarily identified by our race or skin color or ethnicity. We are identified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God has done that very thing here at Sugar Creek. He has scooped up the nations so that through this local assembly meeting all over our region, we could be one people worshiping Jesus, living life together under the banner of Christ our Lord. Yes, we're different. Yes, we're diverse, but we are not separated. We are not segregated. We are united in Christ. And I wanna tell you that the greatest bond that exists among us is a spiritual bond forged by the crimson blood of Jesus Christ. So at this sight, Paul says, oh, when demons and Satan and the kingdom of Satan sees this kind of an assembly, washed in the blood, covered in grace, reconciled, diverse but united, when they see what's happening in this kind of a church, they are stunned. They are astounded at the grace of God. Oh, how wise is God to do this? I don't know about you, Sugar Creek, but I want you to be the greatest threat to the kingdom of Satan. I want Satan to quake with fear when you pray. I want him to have chills going down his spine when you share the gospel with somebody. I want the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus to advance all over the world in the way you love one another and yield your life to Jesus. And to this end, Paul is praying for you and I, I believe, oh, may God strengthen you. May he empower you with the spirit. May you be rooted in love. And to this end, may God do the immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. I was thinking about this passage and it dawned on me today, or this week rather, that we are today living in the immeasurably more of the prayers and imaginations of those who came before us. We're walking it out, we're living it out. We are living in the immeasurably more of the prayers and imaginations of those who came before us. Take a look at this picture from the early 70s, 1973, I believe. This is the first, at least, pictured group of people who started Sugar Creek. And all they were doing was meeting in a rented community room here in Sugarland for a Bible study on Tuesday nights. 
They had a vision, a dream, a prayer that God would do something amazing with their life and that a church would be born here in Sugarland. They kept praying, they kept meeting to study God's word, they kept sharing their faith and inviting people to join them. And God did immeasurably more than what they could have asked or imagined. Little would they know, they would have never imagined that their prayers, their imagination one day would result in a large regional church meeting in four campuses in two different languages, having a global impact in countries that they had never heard of. They came to God with their imagination, their dream, and God did the immeasurably more. We are living in that immeasurably more. The same is true of Living Water International and Second Mile Mission Center and Hilltop of Hope and Urban Camp and Freedom Church Alliance and many more other ministries that had its genesis here. They were burst in prayer out of a vision, an imagination of what God can do. And God took a seed, he took an idea, he took an imagination, he poured his spirit on it, he poured his power on it, and he did the immeasurably more of what we could ask or imagine. So here's what I want to tell you. It's now our turn. In the in year 2021, it's our turn to ask and imagine so that God can do immeasurably more. If we're living in the answered prayers and the blessed imaginations of those who came before us, what's our ask of God? What's our vision for the future? What's our imagination that God could take as a seed and pour his spirit onto? Yes, God can do the immeasurably more, but we must do the asking. We must do the dreaming. We must have an imagination of what God can take and pour his spirit onto. I believe when we come with a bold vision, with a heart ready for God to do something great, God takes it and does immeasurably more. The first thing that I want to tell you is this. God is able to do immeasurably more. He is able to do immeasurably more. Paul said in verse 20 of chapter 3, God, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Maybe you're here today and you sense a call of God on your life. Maybe God's given you a vision for your family, for your kids. Maybe God's painted a preferred future for your marriage, a call to ministry, a place to serve. And you look around and you see this huge gap between where God's called you to be and where you are. And in the gap is a lack of resources and a lack of time or connections. And you're wondering, God, can I ever get to where you've called me to? And you're feeling discouraged and beaten down by the weight of life. And the truth is that probably you are unable. But the good news is that though you're unable, God is able. He's incredibly able to do immeasurably more than whatever you can imagine to step into the gap of your lack and to provide, to pour his spirit into your life. Paul put it like this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what he has made so that people are without an excuse. Paul is saying, do you need to know that there is a God? That God Almighty created the universe? Do you need to be reminded of the incredible power of God, of his eternal power, his invisible qualities, his divine nature? Then simply go outside and look at the sky. Look at what he's made. Look at the expanse of the universe. Look at the stars, the sun, the moon. Look at the universe. And by one word, God created all of these things. So you are without an excuse to know him, to trust him, 
So creation reminds us of God's supernatural ability to bring out of nothing everything. And to think that it was just one spoken word in just one moment that created all of that. And you're wondering how God can meet your lack. How God can bless his church and use us to make a difference. No, no, no. God's saying, remind yourself today about looking at what I have made of my incredible ability to work a supernatural thing in your life. Creation reminds us of the power of God, that he is able to do anything. He's able to do anything. But not only at creation do we see the power, at the cross we see the power of God. If at creation we see the power of God to do anything, at the cross we see the power of God to save anyone, to save anyone. At creation we see what God is able to do, but at the cross, we see what he wants to do. He could create another universe anytime he wanted to. What he rather does now is to save people by the power of the cross. The writer of Hebrews put it in these words, Hebrews 7 verse 25. Therefore God is able to save completely those who come to him through Christ. Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through Jesus since he always lives to intercede for them. I love that phrasing. God is able to save completely. Maybe you're thinking, man, my mess is too great. My darkness is too bad. You don't know what I've done, where I've been, what my story, how messed up my story is. No, no, my friend, can I tell you that God is able to save completely any single person who would come to him. Maybe there's somebody in your mind that you're thinking about, man, they're too far gone, it's been too long, they've gone too far away from God, and you've quit praying for them. God is saying, I'm able to save anyone who would turn to me. So it's amazing, at creation, we're reminded of what God is able to do, and at the cross, we're told that he is able to save anyone. So in between those two things, the creating power of God that shows us his ability and the cross that shows us his desire to save people, we get a fresh vision for ministry. God is able to do anything. He's able to save anyone. He's able to do anything. He's able to save anyone. Your neighbors, the marriages in our community, the devastation, the crime, the injustices of our world, he's able to save. And in those two things, when we are reminded of how able God is and how wanting he is to save people, we get a fresh vision for our life, for ministry, and for our church. God is able to do the immeasurably more. Second of all, God is needed for us to walk in the immeasurably more, for us to experience the immeasurably more. He is absolutely needed. The verse continues in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to, not your power, not your pastor's power, no, according to his power at work within us. To walk in the immeasurably means that we have an open heart in desperate need of God's power to be active every single day of our life. Just a few verses earlier, we read in verse 16, where Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, so here's a resource fountain, here's a source from where we get his power. It's glorious, it's abundant, it's limitless. Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You need, I need, we need the power of God to do what he's called us to do. I think about the first followers of Jesus, they were timid, they were fearful, they were unresourced, they were even doubting. But yet when they met the power of God through the Holy Spirit of God, they lived the immeasurably more life through the power of his spirit. 
Peter, who would deny Jesus in front of a teenage girl, would then, by the power of the Spirit, preach boldly the gospel, and 3,000 were saved and baptized. John, who was a hot-tempered man, wanted to call fire down on a certain town, would be filled with the Spirit of God, and he would become literally the disciple of love. Thomas, who doubted Jesus in front of Jesus, that's pretty bad. You're seeing Jesus face to face and you still don't believe him. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and he would take the gospel, some say, as far as India. Paul, who was the greatest threat, the greatest menace to the Christian church by the power of the Spirit, would become the greatest missionary for Christ. The early church, they did not, they did not have economic power. They didn't have cultural power. They certainly did not have political power, but they had a supernatural power that could not be stopped, amen? They had a power of the Holy Spirit that couldn't be silenced. They were the minority in every single way. Everyone tried to silence them, but the power of the Holy Spirit fueled their ministry, and the church of Jesus was unstoppable. So 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says it like this. Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God put this extraordinary power not in jars of metal or silver or gold, not in something that was indestructible, no. He put treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay, things that were weak, things with the past, things that no one thought would be great on their own. That's your life, my life, our mere human lives that are fragile and frail, God says, I'm putting this power in you. So the weaker you are, the more I get to shine. So the world will look at it and you don't get the credit for it. They, through you, will see the surpassing power of Almighty God. Are you living in this power today? Are you making decisions fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you imagining a future for our church, for your life, in the power of the Holy Spirit? If the power of the Spirit was sucked out of your life, would it change anything? Would it change your life, your decisions, your day-to-day? Or are you a person who every day is depending on His Spirit to be at work? I remember one particular mission trip we took to Ethiopia from our church. Let me tell you, if you want a boost in your spiritual journey, go on a trip that will change your life. It's a journey of prayer and being anointed in the Holy Spirit. We went to this part of Ethiopia that we really had a desire to see extreme Muslims come to faith in Jesus, but we didn't have a strategy to do so, so we found a few Christians there and we began to train them. And on the first day of our training, this man in this picture who is an Amharic speaking doctor came and said, he said, I've come to Christ in the last few weeks and I didn't know what to do or where to go, so God gave me a vision of this campground and told me to come here and I will find people who would encourage me and tell me what to do. So he was part of our training for the next three days. And in that training were also three former Al-Qaeda members who spoke Arabic. But they were on the verge of trusting Christ and giving their life all in. They wanted to hear more, so they were in this training with us. So this man spoke Amharic and these three people spoke only Arabic. So at the end of the training, we laid hands on all those that were there and the Holy Spirit came in such a powerful way. And this man fell on his knees like this and began to speak in what we thought was tongues. Something, something not understandable. Just, we thought it was an unknown tongue. But just a minute or two into this adoration, these three former Al-Qaeda members are standing on their feet, their eyes so wide as a deer caught in headlights, and they're saying to us, how can this Amharic-speaking man pray for us in fluent Arabic? He's speaking our language, he's praying for us. It's the power of the Spirit. 
And immediately these three men were baptized in water, sent as missionaries to some of the darkest places in Ethiopia, and thousands came to Christ. I want you to live that kind of power every day where you got boldness and courage and wisdom from God. Let me tell you, I grew up in more of a charismatic church, but I've seen the activity of the Holy Spirit here at Sugar Creek. More ways than you can ever imagine because we're yielded to the mission of God, to sharing Christ, to being disciple, and to making disciples. We need the power of the Holy Spirit strengthening us, deepening our walk with him for us to live the immeasurable life. I want to just read this last verse of this passage I put in you. The disciples are persecuted in Acts 13. They're pushed out of towns. Don't notice what it says about them. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. What should have discouraged them just gave them more joy. What should have drained life out of them, fueled them. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. As hard as that might get in our world, as discouraged as you might be, may you be filled with a power greater than you, so that not according to your power, but according to his power, out of his glorious riches, we would live in immeasurably more for the glory of God. And lastly, God is able, he is needed, and he is inviting us into this life. God invites us into this immeasurably more kind of life. He never forces his plan on anybody but he graciously invites us, offers us an invitation to be a part of this. How does he invite us? Let me read these verses again, and I think you'll find out. Verse 16 onwards of Ephesians 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How do we say yes? Here it is. We say yes, first of all, through our faith. Through faith, Christ indwells our heart, all of our heart. He doesn't just want to stay in the neat, tidy, formal living room. No, he wants to come into your kitchen. He wants to come into your closet where nobody is. He indwells in our heart by faith. And as our faith grows, he becomes more and more prominent in our life. I've told you this before, that faith isn't just the absence of fear. Faith overrules our fear. We're always going to be afraid. We're always going to have reason to doubt. But as we spend time with Jesus and he indwells our heart, our faith begins to grow. So if we make decisions and a dream for the future based out of fear and disbelief, we are limiting the ability of God. But if we make decisions and pray prayers and have imaginations driven by faith in Christ, what he is able to do, and he comes into our heart and we give him the key to our future, then we get to live in the immeasurably more. I want you to know that every time you extend your faith to God, he extends his faithfulness to you. Every single time you extend your faith to God, he, in return, extends his faithfulness to you. So today, have a life, have a heart full of faith for the future. We say yes through our faith. And second of all, we say yes to this invitation through our love. We say yes through our love. Paul says, I want you to be so rooted in love, understanding how deep and wide and long and high is the love of God for you. How great is this love towards us? We are not a people rooted in the media, rooted in our culture, rooted in political persuasions. We are not a people even rooted in our personal preferences. No, we are a church. We are a people deeply rooted in the love of Jesus Christ. 
God never pours out a spirit on a church that's divided. He pours out a spirit on a church that is loving and united for his cause. So as you dream about the future, ask yourself, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? What does God's love require of me to give, to invest, to be a part of the future? How can I have imaginations for people birthed out of the eternal love of God? We say yes through our faith. We say yes through our love. And finally, we say yes to this immeasurably more life with our surrender, with our surrender. Paul says that I pray that you would be filled to the fullness of God the fullness of God. It's a picture of us emptying ourselves every day and filling ourselves with him. Pastor said it last week, the power of the Holy Spirit isn't getting more of God, but us, uh, it's, it's him getting more of us. It's every day yielding our desires for his, our wants for his, our comfort for his call. Our little empires for his great kingdom. And literally praying, God, today in my family, in my career, in my community, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's a life where every crevice, every corner, every space in your soul is overcome by the presence of Jesus. Oh, may we be a church filled with the fullness of God with our faith that is fervent, with our love that's radical, and our surrender that's complete, we position ourselves for the immeasurably more. So Sugar Creek at all of our campuses, guests who are watching, God is inviting you today into the immeasurably more. He's able to do it, he's needed to do it, and yet the invitation is extended to you. I pray that collectively our answer is, yes, Lord, do it again. For generations to come, for the glory of God, do it again in us now. Give us a dream, give us an imagination, fueled by faith, empowered by love, and coupled with complete surrender. Would you pray with me today? Maybe you're here today and your first surrender is to say yes to Jesus. He's inviting you, you've heard his call. You're feeling I want to in your heart. It's an appointment by the God of the universe saying, will you come to me, trust me. Allow me to do in your life what you can never do. Let me wipe your sins clean and give you the power you need. Today, my friend, wherever you are, you can say yes to following Jesus and it'll be the greatest decision you make. We'll tell you how in just a few moments. But as your heads are bowed, would you position your heart today saying, God, I'm open? My answer is yes. I may be unable, but you are able. And I trust your glorious resource of power to be at work in me. So Father, today we thank you for the words of Paul that you've preserved through your Holy Spirit for us. Allow us, God, to experience decades ahead because of our faithful imaginations and dreams and prayers, our loving, our surrendered life. So we pray that today across all of our campuses that you would do above and beyond immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. But today, here's our ask. Here's our dream, here's our imagination. You're able to do it and you want to do it. You wanna reach people near and far through the life and ministry of this church, so do it, oh God. We wanna be only explained by the power of God at work in us, nothing else, God, but only your work. And may we have eyes to see what you see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. amen.